Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to The Cheats Movement on WRIR. It is Tuesday, May 21st, and we are back. Gigi Broadway is in the building. Gigi, how you feel? We are back. I'm exhausted, but we here. I am so happy to be back to all the listeners. We took a look. We took we took some time off. We bit. took the last two episodes off, and I felt like right when we were picking up momentum, is when we have to take our breaks. It's all right. You know, had to do a little rest and we just got to rev back up. We got to rev back up. Today is, uh, we have a great interview on today's show. We have Richmond Superintendent Jason Cameras. That interview, if anybody follows us exclusively on the podcast, please subscribe uh, and leave us five stars on a ranking. Please. How many stars? At least five. Man. At least five. Uh, so if you're a podcast subscriber, you may have seen that this episode did pop up on the feed early. We did that because we don't like to hold material. We don't like to hold content, but we are going to re-air that full Jason Cameron's interview. And we got into a lot of things, man. We got into the budget. We got into his role uh, as Richmond superintendent. We got into how he feels in regards to the structure of funding how, how he feels about cool things happening in RPS. And we're approaching graduation for all of Richmond Public Schools and all the public schools. So it's an exciting time. It's a great interview. We're so glad that Sec- uh, Superintendent Cameras gave us. This was his second interview. Yeah. This is the second interview he's given us. And he's been really gracious with his time. So we're happy with that. We're going we're gonna to do a little life update with Gigi Broadway. We're going to find out what we've been doing over the break. There's been a lot going on personally uh, so we'll yeah. talk to Gigi about what's going on just a lot uh, a lot Gigi how do you feel it's a lot I, I'm pretty wiped out I'll be honest with you you just did three days in a row of big time we always talk about this but URL rap battle is back in Richmond so you just done a full weekend uh, an entire weekend of nothing but full-on battle rap well, we'll get into that, and I'll give you a little bit of life update in regards to, I, I think last time we had a show, I mentioned that I'd had the honor of doing the VCU School of Social Work commencement speech. I was their commencement speaker. It was my first ever commencement speech, and I'll tell you a little bit about how that process went, and we'll talk about other things along with current events. We see it, we don't see it type stuff. Let's go. I'm excited to be back with all of you. Gigi's excited. We're about to go. First and foremost, it's about that time. As always, Dipset. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, it is Tuesday, May 21st. You are listening to the Cheats Movement on WRIR. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are back from vacation. Gigi Broadway is in the building. Gigi, how you feel? I'm exhausted, but I'm here. I'm excited. Ready to do this. <laughs> are, are you ready? Are you ready to do this? As ready as I'll ever be. So, we're going to get into, like I said, we're going to get into a little bit of life update. Uh, but... Starting in February, because it was Black History Month, we've started to be we've started to get on a roll, if you will. Black History Month, followed by Women's History Month, followed by I want to say it was Autism Awareness Month, and we've we've been able to do things on the show that's been able to complement these months. One of the things that stands out to me that I do want to bring a friend on 
that hopefully we'll get a special interview up. So subscribe to the podcast, but we'll get a special interview up with somebody that's doing a lot of great work in Richmond for mental health uh, in the mental health space. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. We do want to shout that out. And if I get the homie to come through, I know we will. We'll get James Harrison to do an interview with us and get him on the show. We're excited to have him. He has a great movement out there. So shout out to him. We'll get him on the show. But it is Mental Health Awareness Month. We do want to shout that out. The other thing I want to bring up with you, Gigi Broadway, it is National Bar- May is National Barbecue Month. Mm. How do you feel about barbecue? Barbecue is very personal in different parts of the world. <laughs> it's personal right here in Richmond, but it's it is really personal in like Carolina and Texas and Kansas City, right? Oh yeah. National Barbecue Month. What is your favorite barbecue of all time? Hmm. I don't know, man. God, bar- bar- barbecue for me is like a guilty pleasure. So I try not to indulge, but when I do, I don't know, Buzz and Ned's hits the spots for me every time. Buzz and Ned's holds up. Every time, they, they never disappoint. Uni- Buzz and Ned's holds up universally. You know what I mean? It really does. Never had a bad experience at Buzz I, and Ned's. I can, no, I can say that. I don't think I've ever had a bad experience at no. Buzz and Ned's. But also, when I send people, when people come from out of town, I can feel very comfortable sending them a Buzz and Ned's. Absolutely. Listeners, you tell us, what is your favorite barbecue places in Richmond? There's so many really good ones. There's, we mentioned the aforementioned Buzz and Ned's. There's Alamo Barbecue in Church Hill. There's Mission Barbecue. There's Ronnie's. Ronnie's has a, has a spot that's, that's always, I think it was featured on the Food Network back in the day. Always hitting the spot. So, oh, ZZQ. Absolutely. And here's another hidden gem for those that may not know. Ooh, a hidden gem from the yeah. show. You and heard I don't it here first. I say hidden because, you know, it, it's gaining uh, popularity, but Jackson's Beer Garden and Smokehouse. Oh, that's right. Oh, my God. I know you're a fan of that place, right? Yes, indeed. So, Cheats Movement listeners, you tell us what is your favorite barbecue in Richmond? It is National Barbecue Month. Now we've got to get into our favorite segment. Before our interview with Superintendent Jason Karras, it is cameras. It is time for we see it, we don't see it. Oh, and, and of course, a little bit of life update. Are you ready, Gigi? Heck yeah. So tell us a little bit about what you've been doing since we've been on break. URL blessed us, blessed RVA this weekend for three jam-packed, exciting days of battle rap. Some of the best battlers to ever do it. Um, right here in RVA. It's a great time, man. Great experience. What, what was the highlight of your URL experience this weekend? The highlight, I mean, just seeing everybody come together, you know, the energy was great. A lot of people did not come to play. They Heavy punches, heavy bars. I mean, it was bar heavy weekend. It was, it was very dope. For those of you who aren't familiar with the battle rap culture and we always mention this Gigi is our battle rap aficionado she's our expert and she is uh very ingrained in the culture is Richmond becoming a growing community for battle rap URL all of this stuff that's happening shout out my homies over at Southpaw absolutely shout out my home is at LOC um <laughs> and <laughs> shout out to Ryder too he did his thing always represent um, Jack Boy Maine, definitely Richmond's own. 
culture is definitely growing. I'm really proud of the strides that RVA is making. Shout out to Smack. Shout out to Beasley for, you know, um, their interest in Richmond, showing us a lot of love, having a faith in us to bring, you know what I'm saying, the organization down here. Do we have work to do? Sure, but I mean, for what has transpired over the last couple of years with URL, I'm excited. It's, it's on an upward projection to greatness and you guys gotta stay tuned because it's a lot more to come. So, you know, I know you had a very exciting exciting uh engagement to to attend i did so i was really excited about it and uh shout out to the vcu school of social work for you know blessing me with the honor of being their commencement speaker for the class of 2019 so that was just an unbelievable experience in regards to being first being asked was just a tremendous honor it's a huge honor extremely humbled for that but the process of you know, the couple days leading up, getting the speech written, mm-hmm. practicing the speech, getting uh, getting up there to, to practice in the Siegel Center prior to the to graduating class. It was amazing. It was just an amazing experience. I think that, you know, they gave me 10 minutes. <laughs> they gave me a hard 10. I think I took 12 ultimately ah. when it was all said and done. But it was, it was just an amazing experience. I think they had about 180, a little bit over 180 master's social work graduates. Um, I want to say about 115, 120 undergraduate BSWs, which I have. So I really connected with a lot of those students. Nice. Um, they had one doctoral student. So there's only, of all of the graduating class, there's only one doctoral student one. That, that graduated. But it was, it was, um, at the time that they asked me, the dean, uh, Dean Angel asked me to consider being the convention speaker. I remember telling my wife, like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't think that, I, like, I, you know, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can rate this." And my wife always gives me the best advice, and she was just like, "You're never gonna get asked again, <laughs> right?" Sounds like- You're never going to get asked again, so you might as well just, you know, take this, embrace it, and do the best that you can. And I did, uh, but it was it was a tremendous honor. It was it was just an, an amazing experience, and I'll tell you the coolest thing. I got to shake the graduates' hands when they walked across stage. Oh, you did? To, so they would, you know, either get their diploma or get hooded or whatever, and then they would shake the dean's hand, and then I got to shake hands with all the graduates I graduated. Everybody. From the VCU School of Social Work, and that was so, oh, that's that was so amazing. Cool. That was amazing because in that short amount of time, we were able to have some conversations and wish them well. And there's just a lot more social workers in the world now than there was a couple weeks ago. And it's awesome. It was awesome. An awesome experience. Now, I will tell you on the funny end, I did not get uh, an honorary degree. (laughs) Rats. There's a lot of talk. There's a lot of talk in the Cheatham household. Um... About like how does this work? Like what? How does the honorary degree situation work? And I I chuckle because I only have one degree. So everybody that was graduating, like there's yeah I told you there's a BSW that graduated. That's their first degree. But there was way more master students that graduated. So I got to speak to people that have far more education than I do. Uh, and then like I said, there was the one doctoral student. So it was I mean it was a whirlwind. It was an amazing experience. Um, I'll tell you what I didn't do though, Gigi Besides making it public so we can share right. in your right. Okay. Well, if you want to see it, I'll show it to you. You'll okay. Be able to see it. All right. Um, but what I did not do 
is what Mr. Robert F. Smith did <laughs> over at Morehouse. Did you hear about this? I did hear a little. So, song. American businessman Robert Smith was a commencement speaker at Morehouse. The Morehouse College is it Morehouse University or Morehouse College now? I think it's Morehouse College, still, right? I think so. I don't know. Don't come after me, HBCUs, because I know how y'all get. Uh, so we need to look up if Morehouse. We need to look up if Morehouse is a college or university. Definitely college. Because HBCUs will shut this show down, and I'm not trying to have our show kicked off the air. Please don't. No, but Robert F. Smith spoke to the took to the, to the class of 2019 at Morehouse, mm-hmm. uh, the graduating class. And now here's the thing: this gentleman is worth about five billion. Five billion worth about. I think the last 2018 kind of Forbes report said that he was 4.4 billion ish. I've heard up to five billion. And then, really, when you're talking about billion, does 4.4 or five? Does it make a difference? Not at that point. Doesn't make a difference. So let's just say five billion. Okay. That's what I was told. I was told he surpassed Oprah as the wealthiest African American in America. Yikes. Now, do you know what he did? Did you hear about this story? Oh, I heard he dropped a lot of money. He forgave the entire graduating classes. Well, he's I guess he's starting a fund or starting a grant that will all the goal is for that none of those students that graduated from Morehouse to have student loans. His fund will pay for all of their student loans. And it's estimated that it's about forty million dollars. That is insane. That is amazing. Forty million. So when they graduate, debts paid. Debts paid. He God. said that he wanted to give them a leg up, and I think he challenged the alumni at Morehouse. Like he's going to start the fund. He's going to forgive this class. He said, "This is my class. Oh. I'm paying for this." And then hopefully, classes like he's starting something that they will pay for future classes, or you know, the fund will pay for maybe not all their student loans, but part of their student loans. That would be impeccable. That's crazy. That would change the trajectory of Morehouse. Imagine going to college knowing that there's a fund that will take care of your student loans. It would be a lot more missions. It, it would. And I mean, I mean, you're hearing about this in the day and age where all you hear about about historical historical black colleges and universities is they're they're fading away, right? They're not getting the funding. They're 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 dying out. Now this may not be a Morehouse Spellman problem because they're still obviously very well respected but could you imagine what that does for any historical historical black college and university hbcu knowing that if you go there you don't have student loans oh my goodness that's crazy that's a game changer i hope it catches on i hope it catches on and shout out while we're doing that shout out to virginia state university who i think was just named HBCU of the Year by HBCU Digest. Oh, wow. So shout out to Virginia State, Dr. Abdullah over there. We got to get him on the show. They're doing a great, great job. They're doing some amazing work over Virginia State. That guy is an innovator. Clearly. Gigi Broadway. Now, that's a great story, right? Fantastic story. Absolutely. Now, do you want to, is it time for us to switch to some trash? Hey, let's go. It was bound to happen. It is bound to happen, and it happens out of Alabama, of all places. <laughs> oh, right. Not the bill. The bill. We got. I mean, we have to. We have an obligation to our audience to talk about the bill. We do. We do. So, Alabama state legislator, and I believe the bill is now assigned, assigned. by the female governor of Alabama, 
the nerve. I don't have much to say about this. I, I mean, obviously, I am not in a position <laughs> to full. I do feel this way, and that's one of the things. The the so the Alabama, obviously, their legislator, their state house, uh, obviously, tons of old white men. Yeah, a lot. the most restrictive abortion ban, basically. Like just just most restrictive I've ever heard of in my lifetime, which is basically making it criminal to have abortions. Uh, that includes obviously the health of the mother. That includes rape and incest in regards to just banned. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I I feel it is difficult, right, for a man that doesn't have to give birth to make laws that affect women's reproduction rights to begin with. I do feel that's difficult. Now, and I do know that there are not a lot of women in a lot of these state houses. There are not a lot of women. In, like, there's more women now in Congress, but there's not a lot of women in Congress. Right. This bill, I think, was intentionally put in, and they made this clear that it was intentionally put in to challenge Roe v. Wade on the Supreme Court level, right? They're just making the most atrocious bill. But Alabama wants to... They want to change this. They, they passed the bill, and they signed it in the law. And... I don't have the words uh, to articulate this, so I, I will turn it over to you, Gigi, as someone that <laughs> has given birth, right? Like, uh, like, uh, how do we as a society kind of put this in perspective? I don't even know if I have the energy. It's, it's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. And, I mean, it's hard because, like you said, there are not a lot of women in those type of positions to be able to make such changes and laws however on the other hand it just comes down to men i don't think should make those types of laws i just don't think it's in their right i don't think it's what's best for women and women's health and that's just pretty much it so we saw post obviously the election of donald trump we saw a lot of women get really active in politics right yeah. mm-hmm. we saw a lot of women march you know on, on dc we saw a lot of women elected to congress this is post trump's election not necessarily you know certain women votes uh that that led to donald trump getting in office right, right. but post they seemed like we were kind of moving in a direction where women were going to be at the leadership or the forefront of our process in regards to kind of moving forward. What is it now about social issues that still, in your opinion, allows these things to happen? In my mind, they should be raised, like everyone should be raising hell, but it, particularly those women that were raising hell post Donald Trump getting elected, they should be protests like all over the world right now. And I actually don't see that. I mean, I see people upset about the bill. Right. But do you think it's just like it's so outrageous nobody thinks it's going to pass? Like, so it's like there's not that. There's outrage, but there's not like organized. We're shutting down the courthouse in Alabama. Well, yeah. I was a bit surprised at the lack of like outrage and the lack of like a plan to kind of oppose this in general. I don't know, just to remove women's rights in that manner is egregious. And I just, I, I was expecting a lot more backlash and maybe it's still to come. Maybe everyone's just like in a state of this really can't be happening and they don't know yet how to 
kind of combat it i'm just confused i'm confused that it even got this far i'm confused that it's even a question to remove rights of this manner i'm just i don't know I feel it's kind of crazy too because i remember i'm of a certain age growing up where the pro-life pro-choice debate was almost a complete game changer. Like, right? You, I, I am of a certain age, and this could have, you know, this thing ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. But you couldn't get elected nationally or statewide if you weren't pro-choice. Exactly. And now, and I feel like the pendulum has moved so significantly far. Now, and obviously, there's still people that are pro-choice, but it's just it doesn't seem to be of the issues that are single issue voters right if you like poll single issue voters pro-life is a single issue voter right if they're mm-hmm. like i'm pro-life that's a single issue if you're not pro-life i can't agree with pro-choice doesn't seem to be a single issue vote anymore it used to right but it doesn't seem to be anymore it seems as if you know oh well i can make exceptions for certain things but it's not a single issue vote i like i said the challenge that i'm seeing in society is that the conservative side will be like Supreme Court justice? That's it. That's a single, you know, that's a single <laughs> issue. Pro life. That's a single issue. On the progressive side of the aisle, which I'm proudly on, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, what are you gonna go to the map for? Like, what is the thing that's like not going to, you know what I mean? Like, that's that's the game changer. Is it? It should be things like pro choice, or it should be things like health. I think healthcare. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Healthcare was a stand that people made a line in the sand. We want uh, healthcare to be covered from everyone. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely. we want the ACA flaws and all. We are going to make our stand because healthcare should be a right. Okay. I found. We found at least one. Yeah. That's all it takes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We got to transition. What's the next? We see it or we don't see it. Gigi Broadway. We're clearly. Um, I saw Foxy Brown on stage, and then I didn't see her on stage a little while after, thanks to the crowd. So. Only the Cheats movement goes from the abortion, <laughs> Alabama abortion bill, to Foxy Brown getting booed off stage. But that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. That that's is how our we show. gotta do. Because uh, the disrespect, Cheats, was so big. For uh, those of you who are just picking up on this story, and this is a big story in Chi-Chi and I's world. Uh, Brooklyn female Brooklyn MC legend legend Foxy Brown legend uh, was on stage I guess a couple days ago in New York uh, as a part of uh, a part of a tour with Candy Burris from the Real Housewives of Atlanta and now Foxy's had challenges throughout the years we've got to be so I will I will say this name your top three female MCs of all time of all time. Of all time. Top three female MCs of all time. Queen Latifah's up there. Rhapsody's up there. And Ooh, you said you did say Rhapsody. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking out loud. Okay. Because if I count rap, rap probably overtakes Fox. So yeah. So Fox probably would not be in my top three. Now, so top like, five, maybe. Lauren Hill counts to me. Wow. Lauren, I, don't, I don't care what anybody says about how talented. A, see, so Lauren Hill gets knocked as an MC, not knocked in the sense that she's not good, but people, the counter arguments of Lauren Hill being one of the dopest female MCs of all time is that she's such a talented singer. That makes no sense. 
not even that, but she hasn't had enough of nothing but sheer rap anything. To- I'm going to say, Lauren, in my top three right now, and I don't know if I've got a third, because Foxy Brown was up there. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, Lauren Hill, Rhapsody is in there. I think Fox can rap around Lil. I think Fox is a better rapper than Lil Kim. Oh, wow. Oh, Nikki. Oh, wow. Nikki's, Nikki's got to be in my top three. I, three is hard, though. Nikki's in my top three. Three is hard because you got to go back decades. I mean, you got to make sure you capture the essence of a true female <laughs> so, MC. So, so the bottom line is, and we've lost, we've lost focus. We did. But the bottom line is, Foxy Brown would be at least top ten female MCs. Top, top five. Come on now. Five is going to be tough now. Five has gotten tough. I don't know, man. So if if Nikki's in, and we'll see a lot of people wouldn't put Rhapsody in. But if Lauren Hill's in, Nikki's in, uh, Little Kim is in, Remy Ma is in. But you have to think, Nikki paid homage to Foxy. Like, she got a lot of her. Sure. So, you know, sure. you have to but Nikki's, go Nikki's back def- to the left. Nikki's definitely top three of all time. Women. So you put her over Foxy of all times? Nicki Minaj is a yes. Yes, I would. I would rank Nicki Minaj higher than Foxy Brown as an MC Law. Interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. Are you saying you wouldn't? I don't know. I don't know. It, it's it's kind of different lanes to me. I, I don't know. I will tell you this. If Nicki did get booed off stage, which she may have, like, li- life is hard. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> life is hard. <laughs> People get booed off stage you know, different times. I saw a Nas concert in Richmond where he forgot a lot of the words to his to Illmatic. Oh, I was gosh. there. <laughs> you were there. I was there. It was at one of those uh, Kanawha Plaza Friday at Sunset joints. You know, everybody has an off day. Everybody has an off day. I will say this. Foxy Brown has had her challenges. You know, she's had some medical history. She's had some fights. Had a couple fights. So... This does happen, but the legend, Foxy Brown, and we all agree that she's a legend, got booed off the stage in New York City in our hometown. At that. At Terminal 5. I don't know how we, like, what do we say about this? It was bad. So should should people, if you, this is a good question. If you get a bad show, right, say you anything you paid your money for, and the performer in that show does not perform up to par, do you have the right, like, do you feel like you should be able to express your disappointment with that artist? It depends on the reason. Like, let's be clear, you know, Foxy's deaf. So, <laughs> let's be clear, okay? <laughs> it's not that she was drunk or she had an off night or, you know, she was, like, recovering from something. Like, she's deaf, okay? So, you know, Catching the beat at that point may not be the easiest for her at this point. She's a rapper. Which makes it even more tragic, (laughs) you know. But come on now. Like, bear with a legend. Like, you know, everyone's getting, you know, we're getting older now. She can't hear. She's a legend. (laughs) We're not going to cut her no slack. I mean, come on. She wasn't that offbeat. I mean, it wasn't terrible. So the video clips I saw were pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't see a lot of them. But the video clips I saw were, were, were struggle. I do want to bring this up for you because here's the thing. You know, we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of women listeners, and I do want you to, to shed some light. As you know, over the last couple of weeks, Aisha Curry, the wife of Steph Curry, has been in the press quite a bit. She did a red table talk, which clearly has to be one of the most wow 
<laughs> must must be like if there was black Twitter, like if women ran black Twitter, like Red Table Talk was a show that was designed for black women on black Twitter. I mean, just that's just facts. like Jada Pinkett Smith has done an amazing job. She she has another one. That's she, that's she, yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's just a fantastic one. But Aisha Curry was on Red Table Talk, uh, and she was talking about insecurities, basically. So she was saying that. You know, Steph is obviously an amazing basketball player. He's very popular, one of the more popular players in the NBA among everyone, children, men, women. However, uh, she is a force in her own right. Obviously, she's married to Steph. They have three beautiful children. She has her own cooking line. She had her own show on the Food Network. She's doing big, big things. Yep. And she talked about insecurity in regards to the number of women that slide into the DMs, <laughs> the number of women that slide into Steph's DMs, compared to the lack of men that slide into her DMs. Hmm. Now, and here's the thing. Why do you think that is? So why do you think a guy like Steph Curry, who everybody knows is happily married with three kids, but tons of women slide in his DMs, beautiful, you know, force of a woman in Aisha Curry, no men are sliding in her DMs. And it does. She said that didn't make her feel in, insecure. But before we get to that point, mm-hmm. what what? Why is that? Why does that dynamic work? I think it's two things. I think it's part the respect that people have for stuff, and you know, just the sanctity of their marriage and their household. Because perception, which of course is reality in this world is that they have such a solid, perfect relationship that it seems to me, and of course, I'm only speaking, you know, I'm not a guy. Yeah, we so. don't know them. We yeah. Gotta, we got, and we also, we don't know them. We don't know what they're like. We don't know. But, but, but it seems to be. Right. The, the perception is um, that they're pretty solid. And, you know, I can't speak on how a guy does or how he sets to holler at or, or slide in the DMs, but it's kind of... In my opinion, guys are getting lazy these days, and they want an easy slide. They want an easy kill. All right, and sliding in her DMs seemingly would not be an easy job. You know what I mean? No, like there's no like. Uh, it's interesting. One on the surface, <laughs> y'all, y'all women are savages. That's yeah, the, that's the thing. And it's getting worse. It seems as if there is. Now, men, too. Men do this as well. However, I feel like with such a, like, with such a public relationship, right? A public, successful relationship. A whole bunch. And the fact that, again, Steph Curry is extremely liked, you know, extremely well-respected. Right. You know. Just a good guy. I feel like a lot of folks, all those, you know, rappers and people that want to be around NBA superstars, they would be like, yeah, that's, that's Steph's wife. Like, right, we're, you know what I mean. You, that's yeah. that's a that's a bridge too far. Meanwhile, the code that y'all have on the women's side <laughs> is just like look, there's no rules. We're just shooting sh- y'all shooting shots. I mean, shooting shots buckets on buckets. Uh, so I don't know wh- exactly why it is, but I do think that it's like because it's crazy because men, a lot of men, don't have quote unquote code per se. Especially with people that they don't like know, but I feel like a lot of men, believe it or not, correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of men because they follow Steph so much on his game and other, they feel like, oh no, that's my guy. 
Yeah, I think like, that you know what I'm saying. Like it. even if you never met them, they feel like yo, that's my guy. I can't. I'm not gonna do that to my guy. Yeah, facts. And that's men don't. Crazy. I notice men don't like rejection as as much as. Oh, and you know, yeah, you you you're shooting a mission like that. Yeah, that's a hail mary. Perception wise. Yeah. Even if it's like, yeah, how do you pull? You're not gonna pull that off. When your husband is Steph Curry, yeah. I mean, you know, it's yeah, it's crazy. it's a hard shot that I don't think they're willing to make. Let's well, so let's get to kind of how did you feel when you heard the story? Because there was a lot of emotions in regards to people saying that you know they don't get it, they don't feel sorry for her. She got dragged a little bit. There was like, there. I mean, they were really kind of hard on. Like, why do you need attention type thing? Right. Like, like she was she she was out of pocket. What did you think? You're obviously your mother. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, what did you feel? Do you feel she was out of pocket? I think it was just so sad how she got dragged because, you know, you go on Red Table Talk. It's a it's a form, a platform for you to be vulnerable, for you to be open, you to be honest about your feelings. And one thing that I think we're missing is that transparency and a lot of things especially at that level of success so for her to be open and really give a piece of herself and say like look you know i'm married to steph curry but i have insecurities and i'm going to keep it real you know sometimes i want to be hollered at and i feel like that i don't get that but here it is my husband is getting shots thrown at him left and right everyone's sliding into his dms I think it was very big of her to have that type of transparency and how dare people get on their Twitters, get on social media and drag this poor, vulnerable First woman. All, she's hella rich. She's hella <laughs> she is not. Yeah. She is not poor at all. She is hella rich. She's rich in money, but a, a, clearly in attention. She's, she's yeah. struggling. She's poor in attention, clearly. So, but I mean, I thought it was bad. And, and I think that for someone it, it's going to make it harder for other people to get up there and, and be that transparent and I, I don't think she was wrong at all i mean i've never right. I, I don't really like attention so i i can't really say that i sympathize with her <laughs> you know what i mean you brought your gg broadway yeah but there's there's a level of attention that comes with it. yeah and i'm learning to cope with it <laughs> are you making me cope with it but i mean i i can't relate but i can understand being a woman and being kind of i'm not going to say that she's in his shadow but what woman doesn't want to feel desirable you know it, it's interesting to see that happen and and it, and it does happen and it i don't think there's anything wrong with her expressing it i don't think uh, one i'm not walking around going woe is aisha curry but this, but i'm not no like, she's way she has way too much going for her in her life and i, I don't think she's asking us to what right. I'm thinking is there was a conversation that came up and, and she brought up something that she could point to as a point of reference mm. and people that have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> people that have less than her was like, how dare you? Right. Right. Which is ridiculous. Uh, speaking of, this is our last, look, this will be our last story until we cut to, um, cut to our interview with Superintendent Cameras. But speaking of extreme uh, power couples if you will uh. and it you know somebody living in the shadow of a spouse here's a question for you GGE Broadway uh oh right now between the Obamas who's living in the shadows ooh because Michelle Obama it has just been reported that her memoir is probably slated to be 
the best-selling memoir of all time. That's mind-blowing to me. Of all time, it sold it. Oh, already sold over an estimated 10 million copies since it came out in November. She is like everyone loves her. Approval ratings through the roof. She's selling out arenas. She sold out where the Washington Wizards play. Like, and I'm sitting here thinking that no, no, they probably closed the the upper deck or anything. Right. No. Two nights in a row, two weekends in a row, she sold out. Uh, I don't know what it's called now. It used to be the Verizon Center. Um, all, for a book, for a book reading, a book, re- for the, a entire book reading, the entire the entire thing. thing uh, I'm telling you, she had lost. She's she's glow the glow up. Is unreal. I can't. I, I can't believe now, it. Now, here's the thing. Barack Obama's memoir is set to come out at the end of this year, and I will guarantee you right now that it will not outsell Michelle's. Why? I need to know. I need answers. It won't. It won't sell. Michelle is universally well-liked. Oh, Michelle Obama right now is Oprah. You know there was like a 10-year span when Oprah could do no wrong with anyone? Michelle Obama is Oprah. And uh, you know what? I hate to say it this way. I think I think I like Michelle better. I oh, it's no question. I think Michelle is is a better 2019 Oprah. Like again, she she she's got the combination of being relatable, mm-hmm. being a mother, being a parent, and the storm of everything that was thrown at the Obamas. She held it. She went high. She did. She went high when she they went all very high. And like I said, she would go out on those stages and those conventions and and just home run. She was the same. She's the same type of home run hitter in the big stage in those arenas mm-hmm. as she is. I feel like if she was with you and I, you know, right now, she'd just be that awesome. We'd be like, she's fantastic. That's crazy. You know what? Um, because I'm pretty sure you know how I feel about Oprah. So the it's no, it's not even a question who I like better. But uh, <laughs> leave Oprah alone. I'm proud. I'm proud of Michelle, man. She she's she's definitely high. She went high with everything. And she is headlining the 2019 Essence Fest. She don't On even sing. That, she doesn't even sing. She don't even sing. So Essence Fest will be headlined by your book talk. That's insane. Insane. More power to her. Shout out to her, man. More power to her. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a break. This is the Cheats Movement on WRIR. It is Tuesday, May 21st. We will be back right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Cheats Movement on WRIR. This is a special edition. It's it's <laughs> off our regular calendar, but we told our listeners and we told social media and everybody that would listen that we were going to have Superintendent Dr. Jason Cameras, former teacher of the year, and now he's running the administration at Richmond Public Schools. We'd have him on the show. Budget negotiations pushed us a little bit off schedule, yes. but I told them I think this is better because now budget <laughs> negotiations are done and we're able to get into some of the questions that we have, that I have, and then questions that the audience has, and we'll have a really good conversation. Dr. Cameras, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Second time. You yes, feel good? I'm you, very you're loosened yes, up here? Yes. Uh, you know, I hope. <laughs> I hope eventually I get like seven times, then I get a special jacket or something. You know, like I don't Saturday know. So I got, in, I, I've already gotten in trouble. <laughs> the only thing when I think of jackets, I think of uh, the Masters in Tiger Woods. I've already like went on a tangent last last episode okay. about my uh, lack of emotional connection to Tiger. Got it. However, yeah. it was just been recently. Uh, it, it was bought back up in the news because uh, he visited the White House earlier this I week. I saw that. Yeah, and got the Medal of yeah. Freedom of all things. That was and something. So, 
was something. So my whole rant came back to me on social media, and I was like, hey, look, I stand by it. I'm okay. I'm okay. But no, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you. So we are now done with all of the budget negotiations, I believe. Yes. In, in regards to city council, school board, and the budget going forward. Correct? Well, uh, mostly. So the council has their consensus budget, which they'll vote on May 13th. Right. Then it comes back to the school board, and then the board has to adopt its final budget. So there's probably just a little bit more, a little more like but bureaucracy. But for most all of intents the and purposes, we're we're coming to the finish line now. For all case in point, yes. it seems as if RPS comes out as a winner. Yes. I don't know if it's a big winner, but oh, it comes no, out winner. as a winner of these negotiations. What are your thoughts on the budget as it kind of stands down in the process? And, and what were your thoughts kind of going through it? Yeah, we are, we're thrilled. Uh, this is a great budget for Richmond Public Schools. Um, $37 million. $18 million of that is operating dollars. So... That's teacher raises and technology and all kinds of other great stuff for the running of our schools. And then 19 million for facilities, maintenance. So that is, is huge. And those were the original numbers we asked for. Those were the numbers that the mayor put in his budget. And the city found a way to fund that without raising the property tax. They went ahead and looks like they're going to raise the cigarette tax. Um, you know, we're agnostic about how they do it. We're just grateful that they were able to fully fund it. So a couple things of clarification, yeah. which you've already said. It's the mayor's proposed budget that included, you know, a number of tax increases that we talked about. But the number for RPS is the same. Correct. You got the number even without any we of We got the number of. even without the property tax. That's right. The, s- the city made some cuts and did some other things to be able to afford it. And you mentioned the number for facilities. What you said it was, is it about? 19 million. Um, that's going to be, and just to be clear, that's not to build new buildings. Okay. That's for repairs. That's so repairs and maintenance. That's on right. Current. We're talking boilers and ACs and roofs and windows and that sort of thing. I'm going to jump to an audience question that we already have because sure. it just fits in exactly what you said just now. The idea of private philanthropy to help the maintenance of RPS public schools. Is that something that can be done? Is there is there innovative ways that RPS could partner with either people with big pockets or you know corporations that want to do good for ed- education? Is that an option or is that something that we haven't really explored? Well, look, we have a lot of great corporate partners here in right. Richmond and we'll continue to work with them. I- I'm really excited about having them help more on the instructional side, oh, um, okay. investments there. Also, I think... Um, you know, while we obviously have a very uh, uh, supportive and generous uh, philanthropic sector, um, things like buildings typically are the responsibility of, of government. Okay. And the numbers are just really big. So uh, if there is a corporation out there that is excited to cut a $19 million check, not just this year, but for the next few years thereafter, because this is not a one-year issue, um, I certainly welcome it. Uh, I, I don't think that's going to fall out of the sky. Sure. But there, there, so there are partnerships that RPS has, and there is ways, but probably more of those affect kind of the core instructional that's classroom right. instruction. That's right, yeah. Interesting. You mentioned something, and I, and I let it glaze past okay. originally, but I'm going to go back to <laughs> yes, it. Yes, please. Because you kind of mentioned you were kind of ag- agnostic on possibly the cigarette tax or some of those no, things. No, no, no. What I, what I was yeah. just saying is um, I... I'm grateful for the funding, sure. no matter how the city figured it out. And that brings up a good point. 
only yeah. because I know uh, you've been very vocal in regard to advocating for RPS yes. and ar- advocating for RPS funding. Yeah. And so um, that that is brings up a question in regards to several audience members and yeah. listeners and social media um, have asked. And I also wanted to ask yourself, yeah. how do you view the role? Like you are more political than past uh, superintendent. Political is probably not the word, but you... In regards to the forms, you are not the first person to have said that to me. Right. So, so how do you kind of view the role as superintendent? Is it operational? Is it one that's political that would include advocacy? Is it both? How do you kind of view that? Yeah, I view it as both. I mean, I think I have to be the. um, It's really three things in my mind. Um, So one is um, at the most tactical level, the manager of the school system. Right? We have 4,000 employees, 24,000 kids, and there's a lot of things that we're trying to do. So that's number one. Number two is um, sort of the uh, uh, leader of sort of instructional vision and inspiration for the school division. And then three, I think, really is advocacy. We can't, um, I, I don't think um, I can sit idly by when I see some of the injustices that I see in our schools and to um, not use the position and and power that I have been granted to advocate for our kids, I think is a missed opportunity. And I think it's my responsibility to do that for our students and our families and our teachers. How has that, because it is kind of new for Richmond, right? Yeah, no, it's it's very How do you kind of feel that that's being received in regards to the coordination between parents school board you know what i mean administrators how how does that work for you how how do you find that balance yeah it is tough because i you know i know not everyone um not everyone um wants that out of a superintendent (laughs) well change is hard (laughs) yeah um (laughs) change is hard so, um, I, and I understand that, and I know this is something that is, is new for superintendents here in Richmond, um, but I have also heard from lots of folks who um, are, are appreciative of the advocacy, um, who are excited to have me out there marching, who are excited to have me out on social media pushing for these issues, um, because for a lot of our kids and families and teachers, they have felt for a long time that um, they don't have much of a voice. And so um, I do see it as, as my responsibility to do everything I can for our kids. And that's more than just getting a good curriculum and buying more buses. That's pushing the whole conversation about education and equity and justice in the city. I do want to ask you about style from a from a almost a historical perspective sure. because you were in Washington D.C. when it was almost felt like a, you know a regime change in regards <laughs> to the education system, right? Yeah. Those experience kind of how, what did you learn from those experiences in D.C. with that team, and and what have you learned and what has changed in regards to your style and approach in regards to Richmond? Um, from not not knowing kind of the full story, I can already tell that your pro- you, you, you probably picked up some things in regards to communicating on the ground with parents sure. and those things. And, and, I, and I see it. I, I, I see, you know, the approach or I believe I see the style that you use is, is actually pretty significantly different from 
you know what happened you know the, the experience you had in dc what did you learn from that and, and how did you bring that difference or what you learned from it to richmond yeah no i think it is really different i do think i learned a, a lot from watching um leaders in dc and i think i think initially in dc um a lot of the work in the school system um was it, i think it felt to a lot of families and to teachers that that change was being done to them and not with them and so i have tried really really hard to spend a lot of time in the community in our schools talking with folks getting lots of feedback um i think the strategic plan is is a good example of this that really is not my plan i know the newspaper keeps referring to it as my plan <laughs> but, but if i just sat down at a table on day one of taking this job and wrote a strategic plan i'm i'm sure i would have written something somewhat different um, not because i think i have better ideas but because uh, we took the time to really listen to the community 170 meetings 3,000 people and so i feel very um passionate about you gotta do this work with families community teachers and so on um, that doesn't mean you um can't be uh, urgent in the work i think we do need to be urgent but um we have to do it together and something else you may have inherited and i ask everyone this yeah. that i get a change to is you, the education compact was that yeah. that is something that was kind of starting to be established when you came in yes. right from your perspective the communication between the school board city council the mayor's administration the goal of the education compact was for all of us kind of to work together in a more harmonious way yeah is it working has it worked or does it need to be changed a bit well i'd say it is uh is a work in progress. Um, I do think it is much better that we have the education compact than not have it. I think it's it's great that we have this quarterly touch point where we bring together the council, the school board, the mayor, myself, um, to kind of talk through these issues. Um, you know, I, I'm I, I would like to think that part of the result of the education compact is where we are today with this budget mm -hmm. with. Um, a significant increase. You know, this is the biggest increase in, in, in a generation for Richmond Public Schools. So I do think it is, an, it is never a bad thing to get people together in a room and talk. Um, if we, the adults, can work out our issues, uh, it's always better for kids. So it's a work in progress. We need everybody to come every time to the education compact meetings and to really dig into the issues. You, you, um, you, oh, you're <laughs> smiling, but I that you are not the first person that has said that. The the attendance yeah. is is it, I think it should be mandatory, but it, it seems to be optional, right? Certain people show, certain people don't. And I, I mean, I understand travel and things sure, like that, but sure. it really should be something that people attend. Yeah, and I, I you know, um, I, I'm I'm an optimist, so I'm hopeful that that. <laughs> that the attendance will continue to improve and and you know i hope it continues to be a place where we can really work through things the voice you are hearing is dr jason cameras he is the superintendent of richmond public schools this is the cheats movement on wrir let's brag for a little bit <laughs> okay. because you have a i mean it's it's amazing an accomplishment yeah. right uh Mr. Robinson yes. has been named National Teacher of the Year, an, an honor that you've had, and, yeah. and probably can give him some pointers. Yeah. Um, but 
tell me the sense of pride, not only just for uh, Rodney Robinson, but for every teacher in RPS yeah. that one of their own could be named National Teacher of the Year. It's hard to describe. I mean, I am just so thrilled and so proud of Rodney. Um, I really cannot think of anybody better uh, to represent not just Richmond and Virginia, but the entire United States teaching profession. I've met a lot of teachers in my 25-year career in education, and I just think he is quintessentially um, perfect for this honor. Uh, you know, to see him with his students, which I have at Virgie Binford, is such a joy. The love and passion that he brings to them and his commitment to equity and ensuring that kids who, in his own words, have made mistakes, um, he is there to give them a second chance. And uh, those young people are so much better off for having Rodney in his life. So um, I, I, I don't know. I just I, I still feel like I'm on cloud nine um, smiling. Just it, it's such an honor and thrill for us. And I think all of the teachers in Richmond just have such a sense of pride in knowing, you know, this is a school system that has a lot of challenges and gets beat up quite a bit. And to kind of stand up and um, puff up your chest a little bit and say, hey, we've got the best teacher in the country. Um, that's that's really inspiring. I, I think so. I can express that more, even from a narrative standpoint, not just all the work that not only he does, but all of the RPS teachers do. I think oftentimes, too often in our media, they just feel like they're getting kicked on, kicked yeah. on, kicked on. Yeah. And to be able to have this achievement come out of RPS and be able to tell that story, I think it's a win for every RPS teacher at every level. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, again, I'm struggling to put into words. Sure. It's just so amazing. Now, I will tell you this fun <clears throat> fact. Yeah. Uh, Rodney Robinson's probably harder to book now than you <laughs> are. No, I know he is. Right? Because this whole thing kind of takes over your oh, life, yeah. right? In fact, uh, I wanted to celebrate him at the board meeting <laughs> last night. <laughs> and like he's like, no, man, I'm, I'm, out of, I'm out of town. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it, it is really. Uh, it's an extraordinary experience. Um, he has like a whole scheduling team now. Yeah, it's like a yeah. whole thing oh, yeah, to get yeah. anything approved. Good luck. Book him for like February. Well, or yeah, we'll see how it all goes. <laughs> We're going to have to leave it there. Thank you, Dr. Cameras, for your time. This wasn't that bad, right? No, Number no. two, we'll, we'll I, have to do it again. I, I'm serious. I will do your show anytime. I love it. We'll it's have to a good do it again. I, uh, you can always... <laughs> we talked about this last time. I, I want to clarify. You actually tweet yourself, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like yeah, your yeah. tweets are your it's own. Me, you man. take full credit for it. <laughs> where me. can people good, follow... Good, bad, and ugly. Where can people follow you? I know Twitter's one, but yeah. there are places where you can they can follow you. And I know, you know, I get... I hear... I don't have a child in RPS. Yeah. But I hear about these infamous infamous newsletters oh, yeah. that are like <laughs> apparently you all you have you have the time to lay out just about everything oh in your gosh. newsletters. Well, so. the truth is, <laughs> so anybody who wants to get the newsletter can get it. Just go on the website, okay, and go to the superintendent tab. Um, I'm on Twitter at Jason Cameras, uh, now Instagram and Facebook. Um, and the reason I write those letters. Uh, much to the chagrin of my two sons, who are seven and nine, who are right, and they're RPS students. They are RPS students, yeah, yeah. and like the nine-year-old loves playing basketball, and we got a hoop, and he's like, "Dad, come on, let's go play." And I'm like, "I gotta finish writing my RPS direct." So <laughs> uh, this is how important I, I I feel it is because oh, I want folks funny. to know what's going on. I think communication is really important, and uh, I have heard out in the community that folks appreciate knowing 
what's going on, what I'm thinking about, um, what's coming up, trying to explain things that are happening. So it's 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 really important to me. We'll have to leave it there until okay. next time, Dr. Cameras. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. This is the Cheats Movement on WRIR. Gigi Broadway. Yes. It is time to wrap this show. Quickly tell the people, what are you listening to? Well, and this is my son's suggestion because he loves some Tyler, the creator, and I heard he dropped a doozy lately. New album. I think it's Igor. Igor. It is, it's not a traditional hip-hop album. It's almost like, you know, when Childish Gambino went on his kind of soul funk thing. It's not It's not that, but it's, it's, it's a change of pace from Tyler. He's doing some amazing stuff. I love his energy and I love his creativity. Shout out to him because he has a way of like throwing some stuff together and doing some outside of the box stuff that that seems to work. So shout out to him. So shout out to him. He's all he, he is doing a lot. Uh, I'll tell you, I'm listening to my main man DJ Khaled. Cam, Cam loves DJ Khaled too, by the way. He's dope. I listen to DJ Khaled, Father of Assad, amazing album. Uh, in the sense that he, it's it's a Khaled album. So Khaled has all the big players on the album. And uh, the, the tribute, the song that he did, him, John Legend, Nipsey Hussle, amazing song. Um, just just kind of like a spirit. Like John Legend gets that spiritual church thing and Nipsey's doing the kind of the biological rap, man. It's, it's, it's one of the better songs on the album. Obviously, the untimely passing of Nipsey Hussle. We talked about that a lot on the show, yeah. but it's just a—it's a fitting tribute to the legacy that is Nipsey Hussle. So, shout out DJ Khaled, Father of Assad. Shout out Tyler the Creator. Uh, before we get out of here, we do gotta say uh, rest in peace, John Singleton. Definitely rest in peace. Yeah, legendary uh, director. I mean, uh, it, it, you know, people are, are leaving us too soon. I think I think they said Singleton was 51 years old. Yeah. Uh, obviously, his de- de- directorial debut was Boys in the Hood, which is just a classic. A classic. And he was such an inspiration. Like, a lot of people that are coming out now have, you know, been been looking up to him for, you know, since his first album. And he's, you know, sold a lot of seeds and people. He's just an overall creative genius. So, rest in peace to the legend John Singleton. Oh, and one more thing. What do we have? We forgot. Richmond's first ever Crab Cake Week is coming. Crab Cake Week is coming. June 1st to the 9th. So all the seafood heads, crab lovers, Crab Cake Week is coming. So, and <laughs> this is gonna this is gonna throw us off because I just went to Taco, like Taco Festival at Hardywood. Really? How over was the that? weekend. So shout shout out to all the wonderful people that uh, were doing Dominion River Rock. I stopped. I took Cam to River Rock for a bit. I missed it. Uh, I st- we t- it was hot. The Taco Festival Sunday at Hardywood, lines were out the building. It was crazy hot. It, I, I mean, I'm on a diet, so I couldn't even do anything. What? It was it was love hate relationship with the whole thing. But I think for <laughs> Richmond, it was fantastic. Uh, Crab Cake Week's coming up. Our next live show for listeners, if you are interested, we have a live show coming up in July. More details coming on that, so we will be announcing that. GG, be on the lookout for GG Broadway and myself doing some new funny promos for the podcast and for the show. Please tell a friend to uh, listen to the show, subscribe to the show. Your support means all the difference right now, and it is uh, a, a fun time uh, in regards to what we're doing with this show and where it may go in the future. But we need your support. We need you to rock with this family. So yep. until next time, we, we see, see it. it.